In today's message, I want you to, to well, consider some things that, that uh, maybe you don't normally think about. We, we talk around them, and we chat around them, and maybe you're aware of them, but we don't always lean in. And so our scripture today comes from, uh, will be in the book of Titus, chapter 2. But what I want you to think about as you're turning there <clears throat> is when a person is single, it's God first. And then others. And when a person gets married, it's God first, and then their spouse is second. And when you have children, then it's the God first, and then the spouse is second, and then the children come in third, and things change. But some things are different for women versus men, for the female versus uh, the male. If she marries, she marries a man, and now she has a husband. Now there are no other biblical choices. She doesn't have anything else but a husband. She, if she doesn't have anything, something else as a, as a spouse, then it's not biblical. But I also want to mention to you that a legal document does not make a marriage biblical. And we could go on into that, but that's not the main topic of the sermon. The message is in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Titus 2, chapter, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teacher of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, and corruptibility. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father God, help us to follow your guidance this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our focus scripture is verses 4 through 5. 4 and 5. And the older women are to do this. They are to, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. This is one of those messages, I'm like, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure, Lord? And, I, and he kept pointing me in this direction. So I want to look back to verse 4, and it says that the, that the young women, the young women are to love their husbands love their husbands if i pronounce it correctly the word here i believe is philandros if you are a student of scripture and you understand what a reference number is or strong numbers is it's strong number 5362 that may mean nothing to you but uh, that's just a reference number for some of the greek words that are used but you might find it very interesting that this is the only place this word is used in the Bible. It's a unique word relating to love. It's a word having to do that 
does for the love for their husbands. It's a word specifically for a wife's love for a husband. And when I looked up some of the definition, the definition I found, it said properly, it's the special affection of a woman for her life mate, husband, embracing him as her calling or stewardship from God. Wow, that's pretty powerful. The special affection of a woman for her life mate, her husband, embracing him as her calling from God. That gives a little bit of weight, a little bit of heaviness. And I dare say there should be a little weight, a little heaviness, soberness in picking out a husband and a husband a wife. That this husband becomes her calling. When, we, when you marry, you take on responsibilities. When you're single, you have different responsibilities. Things change based on the choices that you make. In verse 4, there's another word there. It's love their children. And that word, again, is the only place it's used. You might be surprised. It's one word that has to do with love their children. Love their husband was one word that had to do with love their husband. It wasn't a word for love and a love for a word for husband. It's love their husband. Now we have love their children, love their offspring. It's a maternal love. And it, this is the only place in Scripture that it's used. So they're to love their husband and to love their children. Very powerful things to think about. Love her husband and love their children. And you think, well, isn't that a natural thing? But evidently, it's something that we need to be reminded of, especially the younger women. But the older women are to admonish the younger women. See, if you are single, you have certain responsibilities. And if you don't want to take on these added responsibilities of a husband or of a child or a parent, then don't don't get married or don't have children. But you can't expect to get married and think everything's going to be the same or else you don't have a biblical marriage. And you can't have children and expect everything's to be the same or you're not, you're out of sorts with the Bible as far as how you should be raising your children. And remember, and we have past sermons on this, on the order of marriage is to leave, cleave, and then act of marriage. The making babies part comes after the marriage part, not before. Because you might say, well, what about this and what about that? I will say to you that if you get that in the right order, the what about start to go away. But when you make those choices, see, abortion's not the answer to unwanted babies. Getting it out of order is the answer. Keeping it in the right order is the answer. Abstinence is 100%. 
You don't want these responsibilities and you, wanna, you want your career to be first and you want these other things to be first, then don't get married and don't have kids. But if you do make those choices, then you have some obligations and you to teach to love your husband in that special way, that closeness, that he's not just somebody else to love, he is your husband and you have a unique calling. And to love your children with a maternal love. No one can love a child like a mother can. I would say to you, no one can love a child like a father can, but a mother has a unique bond. When a child is young, whose kisses make the boo-boo feel better? Not dad's. Dads, we spit on it, wipe it off, say, let's go play, keep going. Mothers think that's terrible. There's an appropriate time, though, if you're bleeding and hurt, you've got to keep working. Sometimes some moms might not let the boys transition to that. But when they're children, they need mom. Moms are special. Verse 5. There's lots of words in verse 5. We're only going to pick on one, primarily. To be discreet, chase homemakers. Good, obedient to their own husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. I used to get agitated and let people know. when They, I tell, they say, well, what does your wife do? Does she work? Yes, my wife works. She works at home. And we would announce, if they, when my wife was asked what she did, she's a homemaker. I would get agitated when they use things like, oh, she just, uh, she just stays at home. What do you mean just? She's raising our children. I did not like it when they devalued the role of the mother. Do you? Maybe people like that. Let's look at society. How's that work for us? It says homemaker. The word behind that is to watch or keeper of a house. Don't get stuck in that mean, oh, she's just supposed to keep house. You might think that's cleaning and all those kinds of things. Now, there's the house has to, somebody's got to take care of it, but there's division of roles and people can help out with different kinds of things, but there's some things that aren't about just cleaning the house, right? Men, we can run a sweeper too. I want you to think about that it says a watch or keeper of a house. First of all, based on what we've already talked about, who is keeping your husband? Then we're going to talk about who's keeping your children. And who's keeping your home? Who's watching your husband? Who's the watcher? Who's the guard? Who's keeping your children? Who's keeping your home? Who's keeping your husband? You know, other women are advertising constantly, trying to get your husband's attention. Do you believe that? They are. They shouldn't be, but they are. Some of them don't care. They'll nudge, they'll say nice things. They'll laugh at his jokes, they'll give him all kinds of time. Because they're desperate, they want some attention. Or they want the power to take over. But they're always competing, they're advertising, 
you do need to work at keeping your husband. You know, they talk about job retention. Have you ever heard anybody talk about job retention? You don't want to, if you're an employer, you don't want to give your employees the reason to go looking around. And when the person calls, the headhunter calls and says, hey, are you interested in, no, it's more than the money. I've got a good relationship with my work compatriots. I'm happy to work with them. I'm not, uh, um, it, you know, I got a good, good atmosphere here. And when you got something like that, I know there's individuals that will stay at their work and they have job loyalty because the relationship is there and they won't go looking around because they don't have a reason to. They don't have a reason to take that call and have that conversation. So the advice to the young women with husbands is, are you keeping your husband? Are you giving him reasons to look around? Are you giving him reasons to entertain conversations with other people? I know he's a guy, but you married him. Didn't you? You didn't have to marry him. You married him. You should have checked it out before you married him. Don't, he should be loyal, but don't take him for granted. Now, you may have your own hobbies, and people should have, their, it's fine to have your own hobbies. And do different kinds of things. I, so what I'm about to say, I don't want you to get the wrong, wrong ideas. They, you know, you spend time doing your hobbies, and doing different kinds of things. I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I've been around when guys get together or men are talking and they hear something going on and they hear something with this, with the woman around her husband and different things like that and the guys will check on the garage where they're at and they'll say, well, now we know why he spends so much time in the garage. That's what the guys might say. He's not cheating with another woman, but he's got it, he's, he's and, and we need our time alone. But sometimes, other guys might look and say, the poor guy, now I know why he's. Work at keeping your husband. And be careful, be careful. I always get dangerous when people use the term, well, they're my work husband, or they're my work wife. I've seen places at work that this man and this woman, they always are the ones, they always go to lunch together. They build a relationship together. Boy, that's a slippery slope, isn't it? Very dangerous. Got to be careful, ladies, that you don't worry about more about pleasing your boss than keeping your husband. 
but we're going to talk about that a little bit too. That's why things can kind of get out of whack if we're not keeping, we're not the homemakers. Who's keeping your children? Who is helping them maintain and build that biblical foundation in their mind? Did you know the first five years of a child's life is when their personality, the foundation of the personality is formed? Who is forming that personality? Is it the, your husband? Is it you? Is it the grandparents? Or is it the daycare worker? Some are in a rush to get the child educated on reading, writing, social, whatever it is. And the government might want to train your children on how to have social consciousness. Why would Satan want the government in the raising and forming of the personalities of the little children? Not foundation for their future worldview. Why would Satan want to mess with that? Who's spending the most time with them to make those formations? Whose personality traits are they picking up then by spending time? Who do they call mom accidentally because they're spending so much time with them? They might not tell you that. They don't want you to feel bad. But hopefully you're not one of those that I've seen. They're up on their career. They have a baby. They ship the baby off the daycare. They're upset when the, they can't get full-time kindergarten because they have to watch their baby more or take care of them more. And then they get upset they go along, they send them off to boarding school, they've got what's going on with their career, and then they wonder what happens later. Yes, adult children make choices that parents don't always agree with. But who's keeping the home for those children? Who's keeping your children? Who's laying that foundation? It's probably the one spending most of their time with them. And I would submit we have to be careful that our personal priorities, right, of what I want in my life and what the plans are for my life don't get out of whack. Because my priorities are what? God, my spouse, and my children. And you don't want to get those flipped around. Don't want to be elevating. I mean, husband and wife work together and they elevate the children above themselves sacrificially. But that's sometimes it gets where the children get pushed up above the spouse. And when the children get older, you're left with a broken marriage if you're not alone by yourself. Because you haven't maintained the relationship with your spouse. You haven't modeled that that activity, and then you got a grumbly, messy marriage, or you don't have anybody to relate with, and the last thing, I suppose we see this happening, is you end up with clingy parents. They're grasping on their kids, 
and not letting them make their own choices and their own mistakes because they don't have anything else to fall back on. So again, if you don't want, if you want, first of all, if you're not taking God first, you got a problem, even if you're single, and maybe God has called you to singleness. There's scriptures about that. But if you don't want the responsibilities and the requirements and the expectations of being a wife, then don't get married. If you don't want the requirements, the expectations of being a mother, and you want to be all about your career, then don't have children. And who is keeping your home? What makes your house feel like a home? You know, your husband is not naturally gifted in the area of emotional understanding. He's just probably not. That's not his tendency. He might pretend, but he doesn't always get it, and you know that. He needs help. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. He needs help, but you're the one that makes it a home, that makes it feel like a home. doesn't matter if it's messy or clean. It feels like a home. You're the one that does that. And dad needs your help. As he tries to lead the family, he doesn't always get that what he just said kind of went maybe over the line. And so he needs a little coaching and working together. Now there are times that you've got to understand that those boys are running ragged and they need dad to step in and he needs to step in hard and you need to let him. Because that's the only thing they're going to respond to. And you know that's the case. It might aggravate you that they respond to dad different than they do you, but that's the case. Work together. But he needs your help. You need to make this be a home. So who is keeping your marriage? Who's keeping your, your husband? Who's maintaining Who's keeping your children and guarding and, and maintaining and helping form their personality? Kissing their boo-boos. Who do they go to for that kind of thing? They go to you or some stranger that spends more time with them than you do. And who's keeping your home? Who's making it feel like a home? Who's pulling that together? Who makes it the place that everybody comes home to feel safe at? They might come home, they might grumble, they might complain, they might yell, they might scream, but they want to be home. Who makes it that place when you go out on the vacation and you do those different activities and everybody says what? Oh, it's good to be home. It's not good to be at the house. It's good to be home. In many ways, Mom, you're that heart. Say home is where the heart is. You're a lot of that heart. Dads, we've got a big role, but there's a lot of that heart. So, to the young women. Now, if you go out and you repeat things that I've said here, it will resonate with people that have read this scripture it might not make other people very happy. 
And the challenge you have to ask, is this what Scripture, is this what this Scripture and the totality of Scripture is telling you, young women, that you need to respond to? They admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. May the Lord help us as we admonish the next generation. May the Lord help us that our young women to seek out how God would have you to respond to this in your particular situation. To challenge us and say, Lord, is what was preached today true? Your word is true. Is this how I'm supposed to take it? How I'm supposed to understand it? Have that out with God. Have that discussion with the Holy Spirit and let Him teach you and then be obedient. Now if He contradicts what I've said, go with Him. But be honest in your heart and desire to be the kind of wife and kind of mother that God would have you to be And if you're not prepared to do those things, then wait until you are. But may the Lord help you. Clearly, I'm not a young woman. And you might say, what do you know? I have the scripture in front of me. And it seems to give us some guidance. And so that's what we need to respond to. Let's be standing together. Lord, I pray that you would be with the ones that have heard this message and will hear this message. Lord, it goes against society and it goes against what the world might think should be done. But Lord, your scripture is true. And Lord, I pray that your scripture and the Holy Spirit would be what, what the Holy Spirit teaches would be what would be remembered, not my words. It's a tough sermon for me to deliver, Lord. Because I know it goes against society. I know it goes against all those public connotations. But Lord, it just seems to be what your word tells us. I pray to the Father that young women... And women in general would search their hearts. And that you would grant them the understanding you want them to hold on to. That you'd help them as they would teach other women, or maybe they're the women being taught. That hearts would be open to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. That they would search out your word and understand it for themselves. And then be obedient to them. That you'd give them courage to do it. Give them the strength to follow through and the encouragement to persevere. We thank you, Father, for biblical mothers, biblical wives, that against all odds, they fight to do the biblical thing. Encourage them, strengthen them, help them to keep pressing forward. We pray these things in Jesus' name.